We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, aka GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchup on Thursday night against the Indiana Pacers. The return of Obi Toppin to Madison Square Garden. First of all, long time no speak, folks. I know I said I'd be back on Monday to preview the Hornets game, and then uh, some scheduling conflicts made it that I wasn't able to do a pregame pod either on Monday or Tuesday. I will just say none of them were my schedule conflicts, but that's neither here nor there. And I'm excited to be back to talk about this uh, upcoming matchup with a very interesting basketball team. Uh, But as far as I'm concerned, I'm recording this right after the Milwaukee game went final. Uh, The Knicks are one game out of second. That's the biggest thing that's that's different between the last time I spoke to you is that there is a realistic scenario. If the Knicks could take care of business against the Pacers tonight, uh, that they could be looking at the two seed by the time we have our watch party on Saturday at T squared social in the city. Um, like there's, I mean, there's a world tips is coaching the all-star game. That's the, the reality that we've now created for ourselves. Now, you don't want to put your the car before the horse and we got to beat this Pacers team. But uh, coming into this matchup, the vibes are indeed immaculate. We would like some, players to get healthy. OG Ananobi is questionable for this game. Quentin Grimes is questionable for this game, but what you'll hear from my guest, which is Scott Agnes of the Fieldhouse Files podcast, as well as the Fieldhouse Files sub Substack. He covers the team, uh, travels with the team. He's an in, he's a locker room reporter, so he's got some behind-the-scenes perspective that you're going to get. Uh, the paces are a bit walking wounded as well. Um, I mean, Buddy Heald's hurt. Miles Turner is hurt. TJ McConnell's sick. Tyrese Halliburton's on a minutes restriction. They have a ton of injuries as well. Um, a lot of teams looking forward to the all-star break at the moment, uh, but hopefully the Knicks can still take care of business. This is the return of one Obi Toppin to Madison Square Garden. It's his first game back to where he uh, called his home games home and into the city that he calls home uh, for most of his life, but it'll be the first time he comes as an Indiana Pacer. And I did a little bit of a deep dive on Obi because I wanted to really Really see how he's doing, you know. Like I, I wanted to try try and find some trends in his splits and see what what's up. And like the two point game, that's legit. And the Pacers do a lot in transition, and he is of course outstanding in transition. For those of you that you know know how much we refer to clean the glass, all of his 
uh, shooting accuracy numbers in transition are just like bright orange. Honestly, a lot of his offensive numbers this year are just bright orange, which means they're close to the 90th and up percentile in the NBA in uh, where he ranks against the rest of the league for his position. Um, just some raw counting stats of players with at least 350 field goals, a field goal attempts, I should say. This year, he leads the NBA in two-point percentage at 71% a game. Um, he's third in true shooting. He's seventh in overall field goal percentage. And that's not like 350 field goal attempts is more than Rudy Gobert has this year. So... At least Obi has more than more field goal attempts than Rudy Gobert has this year. This isn't like small sample size because he's not playing that many minutes. He's actually gotten a decent amount of run this year. Now, you will know that he was taken out of the starting five because that starting five was getting torched. And Rick Kyle, Carlisle finally had enough and decided to put uh, some different defenders in the starting five. But Obi still... This didn't turn him into a full-time backup just yet. He was still getting close to 25, even 30 minutes at times. And then they traded for Pascal Siakam. And now Obi is the backup to another all-star power forward. However, one thing that Carlisle does that Tibbs doesn't do is play them together. And it will be very curious to see if they play with each other uh, on the court on uh, Thursday night. So I'm excited to see Obi. I'm excited to see how the Knicks do against a dynamic offense like the Pacers, still ranked number one in the NBA. I will say what Scott says at one point, what people have been saying is that like the Pacers defense has gotten better. Like They've made these adjustments and they've gotten better. Well, they're currently 26th in defense. Since the in-season tournament, they're 24th in defense. Since the Siakam trade, they're 25th in defense. There's no like point you can go to to be like, well, since X, they're better in defense. Like they're they all of a sudden become like the 13th ranked defense or even the 18th ranked defense. This is a bottom five defense in the NBA. Um, I, the Knicks should be able to score if, if they're hitting their shots. If Divincenzo is doing his best Clay Thompson impersonation, the Knicks should be able to score in this game. And we'll see if OG and Obi's healthy. If the the two different forces of an elite offense and an elite defense, which outcome will win. Um, all right. I think that's enough of a, of a preview. Let's get into my conversation with Scott Agnes of the Fieldhouse Files, previewing this matchup in full against the Indiana Pacers. Enjoy. Joining me now for another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show with the Knicks, welcoming in the Indiana Pacers, another team that just traded for a former Toronto Raptor looking to take a leap this season. Also a team that the Knicks did business with this offseason, and they will be welcoming Obi Toppin back to Madison Square Garden for the first time since that trade. Uh, we welcome in for the very first time to Knicks Film School from Fieldhouse Files, the Fieldhouse File podcast. Uh, it is Mr. Scott Agnes. Scott, welcome to Knicks Film School, sir. Yeah, appreciate it, Andrew. Thanks for having me on here. Looking forward to this. Two two very different teams than they last time they met at kind of the end of the year. Also, oh, the thing about the, the two different teams is the Knicks were becoming a different team that very night. That's the day that they made the OG Ananobi trade. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to call it a schedule loss because like the games were played and like I'm not trying to sure. take anything away from the Pacers, but the Knicks world was rocked. Like Evan Fournier played in that game. I don't think he's going to play play a minute. You mean even a second in this game, <laughs> even if there is garbage time. And what the Knicks have been since then is obviously we'll, we'll talk about later is, is I mean, a revelation in how much the OG Ananobi trade has improved their team. But the Pascal Siakam trade, I'm curious, as someone who has not had the chance to watch a ton of Pacers since they've made the Pascal Siakam trade, 
How are the vibes in Indiana at the moment? How are they adjusting to life since that trade? Yeah, so it was, it was difficult early on just because of the team circumstances. They were out west for a six-game road trip mm. when all of this happened. So he flew from Toronto to Indy, checked out, had a physical, and the Pacers do, uh, as it's been told to me, one of the most thorough physicals that there are. And if you may remember Karis LeVert, when they acquired him a couple of years ago, it was a blessing in disguise for Karis because they discovered because of an MRI on his back that he had cancer mm. in his kidney and all because of that long story short. Um, then he took a private jet out to Portland, met the team up midway through the trip, but no practice time, no shoot around, no real walk through too much. And so that's a lot on both sides, both for the current players and for him to be thrust in and not knowing anybody's, you know, you know how in which they want to play and, and the team chemistry and all those sorts of things that you got to adapt to in addition to being in a new situation. So they kind of got through that, went two and four on that trip, just looked okay. Although in his debut with Tyrese Halliburton, which turned out to be uh, a game where it kept him out for another week and a half because of his hamstring, didn't look great um, as they were trying to still figure it out. But then they had a couple practices now. Now they've had a walkthrough. He's starting to ease in and look a lot more comfortable and I try to put myself in his shoes. And I think from one standpoint there is you don't want to, you, you want to dip your toes in. You don't want to assert yourself too much, even though that's quite literally why the Pacers went out and got him to be that second guy next to Tyrese to play both ends, to take on the challenge defensively, which I'm sure we can get into because that's one of the biggest struggles of this Pacers team that they have gotten better at, but against teams with so many good wings, um, Pacers have nobody that can really stop guys like that. So Pascal helps in that area as well. And so now Tyrese is back into the fold, though on a minutes restriction, and they're just trying to figure it out on the fly here on these dog days of the season. That actually answers, I think, my next question. It's how okay. healthy is Tyrese Halliburton? You said he's on a minutes restriction. Will he still be on a minutes, minutes restriction going into the garden on Thursday night? Yeah, Andrew, I'd expect him for indefinitely. And to me, mentally, that means wow. through all-star break and then see what it looks like. Because he came back at Portland and I was astounded that he played 35 minutes because I've never had a hamstring issue like that, but I've covered many players with it and they linger. Uh, they usually last longer than you know, you know players expect. Oftentimes, you'll come back and have a setback or you'll come back and sit out the next game because it just doesn't feel right. So I think right now they really want to get a hold of this so that after All-Star break, it, it minimizes the impact because he needs to be out there for himself and for the team. So I just realized this would be the first round matchup if the season ended today. Obviously, not every team has okay. played the same number of games, but this would be the 3-6. And before we talk about how these teams match up, as far as Pacers' expectations are concerned, I understand that the boogeyman of the Celtics and what they've been this year yeah. has been pretty unstoppable. I know the Pacers just played a pretty hard-fought game where the game that was both in the 120s, and no matter how much good your offense is, it seems like the Celtics always seem to have more. Um, and I, I'm curious what the expectations are after the Siakam trade. Is sixth like just avoid the plane a reasonable expectation, or are there are there higher heights set for for the Pacers after the trade? I would start there, quite frankly. Um, okay. And let's let's reset too before the season. This team has not made the playoffs since 2012, 2020, since the pandemic year. They've had three coaches since then. That was Nate McMillan. They had the year experiment. With Nate Bjorkren from Toronto, that didn't go well, much like Adrian Griffin and everything up in Milwaukee. Mm. And then now Rick Carlisle, 
who signed a contract extension, I should note, before the season. But this is kind of that third iteration. They haven't won a playoff series since Paul George in 2014. So uh, both the Knicks and the Pacers are kind of on the rise, certainly, in two teams that should start making some noise and have made these big trades over the last year to try to help their chances. Now, going into this season, the, the focus was just getting back in the playoffs. That's what it was about. I had them at probably, I had them at 500 record, 41, 42 ish wins. They've played ahead of that, to be sure, especially with their success in the in season tournament. Going seven and one there was huge. But then adding Siakam into here, into this roster and added to this piece, to me, yeah, I, that's exactly what to me it is. It's to finish fifth or sixth, to have no question, not have to mess with a play in tournament and potentially win a first round series. So, you mentioned the in-season tournament. I'm actually curious. I was going to look it up, what their record is since the tournament and how much of an effect that's had. I know I'm honestly at a loss for how much it mattered, how much it took a toll on guys. Like I, I, I like in, I brought up the Sixers a lot and what it did for their season in that it gave them, an, because they missed the in-season tournament, they got an extra game against Washington and Atlanta. And then yeah. the Knicks, their reward for making the tournament was an extra road game at Milwaukee and then at Boston because the Pacers ended up beating the Sixers and the consolation game. And so it's right. quite the reward for making the tournament. You get two <laughs> games against these two elite teams. Did the Pacers benefit at all? Or was it more of a detriment having to play that high leverage basketball in the middle of December? I'm curious from your perspective, what do you think it, it would be? Yeah. And if the Pacers had lost to, uh, it would have been, Milwaukee, I think, in Indy, they would have went to New York and to played play a road Knicks. game at New yep. York. So it's funny how those things work out. And I think those are the little quirks of scheduling, particularly after the tournament. That's nobody's to blame, but those are kind of the unforeseen things and things they need to figure out because uh, the answer to your question is twofold. Starting with, undoubtedly, it was a huge success for this Pacers franchise. They were all in. They treated this like it was a semifinals of the conference. Um because quite frankly, this team hasn't done anything as a group. Miles Turner's been around for some of that pre-existing success that goes back when he was drafted in 2015. But outside of him, I mean, Buddy Heald's got the most games played in the league without a playoff appearance. Tyrese, who's a rising star in this league, has yet to um, experience the playoffs. That's why he wanted to play with Team USA and did. That's why during training camp, he talked about you know, I all I want to do is win. This season's all about winning. I got my contract. I got better players. I want to win and get to the playoffs, something I have never experienced before. So that's why, to go back to the last question too, it's all about getting to the playoffs. Forget how it ends. Um, so the the tournament was a huge success, Andrew. Seven and one, only the loss in the Lakers just because they didn't have the fire firepower there in Vegas. Then after that was a challenge exactly like the Lakers, mm. both because scheduling and kind of the... The, the wear down from that, the letdown. But the Pacers, I think, went on the road for like their next four games straight from Vegas. So that road trip, I think, turned out to be something like six games in 14 days all on the road. So that was terribly unfortunate. Again, you could say like scheduled losses to some extent. Like they went to Washington and lost. Like mm. that's a tough one to to take. But and in in the aggregate, it was easily a huge win for this Pacers team to experience, to be part of, to get the bonus money, um, to get the national recognition as well. Because the other night at Boston, that was their only nationally te televised game that was scheduled for the season. That's it. But because of the in-season tournament, they played four in a row, including on three different networks. That's exposure this team doesn't get.
I was about to say that's the thing I remember when talking about the tournament is mm-hmm. that the the Pacers hadn't been scared. Like Tyrese was saying, like this is big for me because we haven't played on I haven't played on national television yet. Uh, in my maybe not, I don't know if it was his career because I don't it remember. It was TNT. It was he had on never TNT. Played on he hadn't TNT played game. on TNT, right? So he got to be on TNT for the first time leading <laughs> up to, to to that performance. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Prize Picks. Not only are they the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, but they're also the easiest and most exciting way to play. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, it's just you against the numbers, picking more than or less than on a two to six player stat projection. With the NBA season more than midway through and the NFL season with just three games left, now is as good a time as any to pick combo projections across sports from the the specials league. For example, on any given night, take Jalen Brunson over in points, Julius Randle over in rebounds, or OG Ananobi over in steals. Then combine it with two NFL props, like Patrick Mahomes over in passing yards, or Christian McCaffrey over in touchdowns. Prize Picks is a really simple way to play. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. Like on Taco Tuesday each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all basketball season. You know what to do. Go to prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy sports made easy. I became a believer in Halliburton over that that tournament. I think this season in general has caused a lot of people to become uh, more believers in his game and in his play style and to not focus so much on what the defense has been. I'm curious about, I mean, the Lakers presented somewhat of a blueprint on how to not quote unquote stop him. And it's to just take mm-hmm. away the transition game and to, to make somebody else beat you. If you get rid of the pick and roll game, is he able to beat you in the half court in different ways? And I imagine the Knicks are going to do similar things in this matchup with, especially if OG and healthy and they're able to just blitz him consistently, whether it be with Quentin Grimes and DiVincenzo and then OG just taking the responsibility himself. How do you think these two teams match up? I know, again, the last game is just, it's impossible to take anything out of, sure. but the Knicks ability to really shrink the court with how many pr- just premium defenders that they have. It's almost like it's it's which extreme are you going to take the Knicks defense since the OG trade or what the, the historically great offense the Pacers have been this year. So what's worked against the Pacers is is one have a lockdown defender and the guy that always comes to mind for me in the recent years is Minnesota's Jaden McDaniels. He's done a really good job mm. uh, guarding Tyrese and, and eliminating him because if you minimize his impact then you can, you help your chances to win. You can win in other ways, but that's that's the most effective way. And I thought the Lakers did a great job of throwing a couple defenders at Tyrese, picking him up full court, just making everything so difficult. And I remember coming out of that tournament, what I wrote is, hey, look, this is the next phase in Tyrese's career is facing additional uh, pressure, being the guy and, and having to adapt to that. And so sometimes we saw the team adapt to Rick Carlisle playing him off the ball. And so instead of being the one to screen four, maybe he would come set screens and things like that. Or he would be out on the court on a, as a threat and they'd sometimes play away from him. Those were certain things. Um, now, 
that hasn't been as big of an issue here in recent games. It was more so right after the tournament while I was still fresh in everyone's mind. But you talk about this matchup. The first thing that comes to mind is just the style of play of the Knicks and, and how they are built. Um, I go back to what certain things Rick has really emphasized. I mean, remember asking him in the preseason, how, you know, how'd you set up a game like this? Did you, did you really like the contrasting styles? Cause they also scheduled a Memphis game and like, they are all about running, gunning, you know, getting guys out on the run and such, especially um, I think at that time, maybe their pace was right there with the Pacers, for example, high scoring. And then you go to the Knicks and it's, it's all about physicality, grit, toughness, um, bully ball, which you don't see too much of anymore. And that's what I think we all really appreciate the way in which Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks play is kind of a style that's gone out of style, but it still <laughs> works so effectively essentially. And so the contrast and styles here will be interesting. And so too will be the way in which they use OG and Anobi. Those two going against each other with Pascal Siakam for the first time. That's a fun storyline. And, and I got to mention it because I'm thinking about it. Uh, it's been cool the last week. The Westchester Knicks were in town. And so as part of that, Jacob Toppin uh, on a two-way was here. And for the first game, the Pacers were in town. So Obi was able to sit courtside um, and in both celebrating with him, but also talking smack with Jacob during the game, which was phenomenal uh, in the last game that Obi could not attend. I think on Monday night, he went off and scored a franchise record 30 points in the first half. So that was fun to see the brotherly love and Obi being able to attend Jacob's games on, on Obi's home court. I kind of like the the storylines between those two. I got to say, that's what made the, the January 30th game. So not, excuse me, December 30th game. So surreal, like a lot of Knicks fans had attachments to RJ Barrett and uh, Emmanuel mm-hmm. quickly. And we woke up that morning like, oh, it's the first time they're going to play Obi. And then it was a reminder that all three of these guys are no longer in attendance. Then the, any of the, the attention of that being Obi's first time against the Knicks just got completely taken away, which leads us into this matchup where Obi comes back to Madison Square Garden for the first time. Now, I admittedly... When I check in on the Pacers and I watch some games, it, at times it's just been to see how Obi's doing. At times sure. it's just because the Pacers pre-Siakam trade uh, were the greatest show on turf or on court, on the hardwood, whatever you want to call it. Just the first yep. to 130. It was just a really fun way to watch a basketball game. And I, I know he he was taken out of the starting five, but and I, I want to give a shout out to one of our staffers. His name is XJ who was a, a huge believer in Obi Toppin and still is and has been... Uh, he might watch the Pacers more than either of us, to be completely honest, because he wants to see him in a different setting than how Tibbs used him. And he's been been stern that we do not call him a backup. We just say they changed his role. They redistributed his minutes. Gotcha. And I, I, I'm here for the semantics, if you want to defend your boy. But I also do think that's a, a fair clarification and I wanted to as somebody who's watched every I'm more than me this season but most of Obi's minutes this year yeah is it fair to say that like they just just found a role that was better for him that wasn't in the starting lineup and it balanced out like it gave the starting five more defense and obviously he's now behind Siakam so he's he is technically Siakam's backup but that doesn't mean that they don't share the court together that Friday night game that just happened where he had the, the heroics late mm-hmm. like they they shared the floor together so like he's obviously been better and and shown more than what he was given in New York, but how would you grade Obi so far this year? And you know, like has his role 
still has his role not even changed at all it's really just his minute has have his minutes not changed i think that's the way i'm trying to ask the question but his role is just different because he's coming off this off the bench in this new uh rotation so the first change was strategic it had nothing to do necessarily with him doing something wrong or whatever rick carlisle said hey we're piling up losses we got to start making a defensive priority they had a big practice on december 19th it was their first practice because of the in-season tournament to go back to that They had like no practice time. First practice since like the end of November in three weeks. And so they really locked in on defense during that practice. On top of that, the coaching staff really wanted to emphasize defense, toughness and physicality and add size to the starting lineup. So before the trade to um, get Pascal Siakam to Indiana, they were, you know, starting Jalen Smith again at the four spot. He started last year at the four. It, It, it hurt them more than it helped them. So about 25 games in, they moved him back to the pack of five and Aaron Neesmith started Well, they went back to um, Aaron Neesmith starting at the three Jalen Smith at the four and then bringing Pascal. in. then I think it's fair to say Obi's the backup. Like no one's going to argue. I don't think here that Pascal's not far and away better player than Obi Toppin. Now, in doing so, the difference is here is he's playing a little bit less, I think, with Tyrese Halliburton in that that starting group that really wants to run. That was the big offseason thing they emphasized is how it was Tyrese, it was Bruce Brown, and it was Obi Toppin, three of the top like four players in transition and efficiency. Mm-hmm. Well, Bruce is gone. Obi's coming off the bench. So you're seeing a little bit less of that. In turn, you're also seeing uh defense and opponents held to fewer points. Thankfully, thank goodness. I was tired of watching just an embarrassment of defense. Like they would all acknowledge that. That's not a, a me, you know, no, it's, it's funny that you're saying you were, you, you hate watching it and out of, out of town. We were like, Oh, the Pacers are on tonight. Let's see if they can score 150 tonight. You know? Because that's what it became. And the Pacers have scored 150, I think two or three times this season, including I think both times against Atlanta. If I have to watch Pacers in Atlanta, like that is not reasonable basketball. It is a step above the all-star game where defense is optional and points are at will. Like Mm. to me, that's not a professional basketball game. So it did feel like, what are we doing here now? High scoring games. I'm all for and good offense. Absolutely. But there's also got to be the challenge and players willing to take on the challenge, which has been a thing here of defending of playing their role. And so um, in terms of, Bruce being away, you're seeing Neesmith, Nimhard, and obviously Siakam leaned on more for perimeter defense. And inside, uh, that's where you got Pascal, who can really guard any position out there. Miles holds it down in the fort. And in doing so, in the aggregate here, the last six weeks or so, the defense has been average, and that's fine. Okay. So that's that's where Obi falls in. That I mean, do you see him on the team on the other side of the deadline? I know they just made a move for a power forward and... He's a restricted free agent this off this off season, right? So. But also that means they can match any deal that's put out. Right, there. that's and true. So that's true. I, I think they were willing to have some potential extension talks in the fall, and I understand that that from Obi's standpoint is, hey, let's see how this season plays out. I don't even know what I look like look with Tyrese. I don't know how I look playing more than sixteen minutes per game in, in Tibbs's system and all of that. Let's see how I can do, and I'm going to bet on myself is kind of what he wanted from that standpoint. I don't. Uh, I would not be surprised if he's back with the Pacers next season. So I don't feel an urgency for them to necessarily move him. Now, if he's involved in a package, you could understand it. Um, the, uh, the the other guy that you could is a guy like Buddy Heald, who's in a contract um, year. You would not necessarily 
uh, bring him back or right now. I don't think they could agree on a price tag on that either. So we'll see what that looks like. Um, but in terms of the trade deadline, that's why you would be more apt to move a guy like buddy because of his circumstances. He's older. Doesn't exactly fit the same timeline. So you know, it's funny. The Knicks currently have a guy named Quentin Grimes that is being mentioned in trade talks and we're in the fan base kind of like just wait till the summer to do this. If like, okay. he, he will contribute to playoff rotations, if you just let him play. And he's actually played really well since the first report of the uh, funny how that happens. Funny how suddenly you're on the trade block and you're actually, it's not even he was playing that poorly. It just wasn't being used as much. And Tibbs has actually stretched him another five <laughs> minutes and not playing OG Ananobi a hundred minutes a game. Uh, I don't, I don't being, envy though. By the way, I don't envy guys in that position. What you'll see here is over this next week, it'll be contentious on some of these rosters, those mm-hmm. rosters that you expect to make some deals. And, we always go to LeBron's team, but that's uncomfortable waters to kind of be in that locker room. We saw it here many years ago. If you go back and the Pacer fans were incredible. And uh, when LeBron was at the line or other players, it was LeBron's going to trade you. It's one of the all time uh, great interactions right. throughout the yeah. entire game. Fans did that. But guess what? Pacers like blew him out, blew him out by like 40. And you could just feel the tension on that Lakers roster, not knowing are they going to get moved today, tomorrow, the next day. There was like three or four days before the deadline. So for the teams probably going to make deals, that is a real thing for the next week. That was the Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Kyle, like those guys. That like sounds Kyle right. Kuzma team. Yeah, that yeah. LeBron was because the rumor was two weeks before, or the report was two weeks before that <laughs> Anthony Davis had asked for a trade. So every night you could have just shouted at any random Laker, LeBron's going to trade you. And guess what? He did that offseason. Um, the reason I bring up Quentin Grimes is I think that's where my mind went to with Obi, that he went to Indiana thinking this is a fresh start on the starting four. Midway through the season, he gets moved to the bench role, even though the minutes are still there. And now he's back behind an all-star power forward. I don't know if if you could tell from him if there was any frustration that he's now in a similar position, although still given the opportunity to play a little bit more. He's not like playing eight to 15 minutes like he was. Yeah. Like, or sparingly, you know, like right. He wouldn't play. And he's and not I, just like corner to corner. Like he's actually being used a little bit more in the offense. Right. It felt like from afar with the Knicks, he was used almost on a need basis versus in the Pacers. He's absolutely in the rotation. They know what they're getting from him. He provides an entirely different dynamic, both running in transition, his, his mid range. I, I forget the stat, but I think he was like top three in the league in, in, uh, two point percentage. Like it was remarkable. He had been so efficient there. He's improved on his rebounding. Um, and, and defense has been okay. I thought, especially the first month and a half of the season, somewhat understandably, he would be out of position. Um, I could easily pick up on the TV broadcast, miles Turner yelling at him, trying to get him in the right spots, things like that. But I'm also cognizant of, um, how he acknowledged like what he's being asked in Rick Carlisle's system defensively is entirely different than what he was doing for Tom Thibodeau. And so it's hard to break old habits. It's the combination of breaking old habits and learning the new offense. So I I acknowledge that the first month and a half of the season. I think he's done a nice job settling in. And also to answer answer your questions too more directly, I'm not getting any negative vibe from him. I think he really relishes his his fresh start. I think he appreciates how he can kind of be under the radar here. Like New York's home, and that is terribly difficult. I've seen that covering former players. And I'm talking the hometown thing, not as much the New York thing. Because I've sensed that here, even in Indiana. We had Jeff Teague, George Hill, um, 
And a lot of those guys came early or midway through their contract in the demands and what's asked of you is so tough even beyond the court from ticket requests to pay my cell phone bill to, hey, you're the hometown hero. You should be doing this. And so I wonder how much he felt that. Plus, I'm not in the rotation. Plus, I'm a lottery pick for the Knicks must live up to those expectations. You kind of shed those those labels a little bit once you get moved. And I think that has been freeing. And I also will go back, Andrew, to our first practice of the game, or excuse me, the first training camp practice of the season. He came up. There's only three beat writers. He comes, talks with us. I think we talked for like eight minutes. We're out of questions. He's like, that's it? (laughs) That's easy. And walked away. It's a totally different environment here. And I think... And I know that it, it's clearly been something that he's appreciated from all elements on the court and off. I forget who the player was, but there was a like I'm a huge Mets fan and there was a Mets first baseman. It was Ike Davis. That's who it was. He got traded to Pittsburgh and he was like, I just went to, to Starbucks and got coffee randomly. Like there's I, I wasn't bothered on my way to right. there about my swing or being told where I need to be position there wasn't like three beat beat writers like waiting for me when i arrived at the stadium i just kind of went took my swings and left it's just a different it's a different market not a, not a worse market it's just mm-hmm. it's different like you said and that's Much where different. yeah it's and where, not like, being look, in your hometown ish so uh, so that's the other part about that's it that the other I, part i appreciate too is that he like the, the new york of it all they it's literally where you grew up and and your family is able to go to every game and you're now there's some distance from it it's like he's i mean the Indiana of it all, like he's he's not that far from Dayton, where where he went to school. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see. Where I know Dayton's in Ohio, by the way. I'm just making. And sure. there, there's been a lot of support. That's a good point for you to bring yeah. up because I'll see it both on on Twitter mentions and like the Dayton fans following or retweeting, and then also you'll see fans with Dayton gear in the stands. So. Um, he even in the off season held a basketball camp over there. So yeah. he kind of has a secondary home with Dayton, which I think all makes us a little bit more comfortable, but he's able to get out of that New York bubble and kind of breathe. It feels, it felt like is the perception I felt for the first time in four years. I think the, the evaluation we gave him about a week ago, we were talking about like the Knicks that are no longer here. The kids that are no longer here is like, it's the Knicks don't, the Knicks don't miss him in the sense that like we weren't able to replace what they lost in Obi Toppin. Like what DiVincenzo has been is honestly been a revelation because he's now they're starting to and it's one of the best starting backcourts that they've had in like 50 years um, but like it's very clear to say that the Knicks didn't use him enough or maximize what his potential was and he's absolutely boosted his value and that's why you know we've we've actually had like a pretty fun season as Knicks fans being able to watch the kids that they drafted on the different kids. teams that's while, well I, I'm yeah. able to say it because of how no, I, I, I am that Obi Toppin but like these prospects that went to other teams and got to be used differently while also being able to watch the Knicks who are really good and like they're 14 and 2 since the NNOB trade mm-hmm. and I mean I'm curious your thoughts from afar about OG Ananobi and the Knicks and and how sustainable all of this is and it's going to lead to a Bruce Brown question because you got to to cover him and be close closer to him than any of us were. Like, do you see like Bruce Brown as a good fit on the Knicks? Should they pursue him at this upcoming trade deadline? 
Yeah, with Bruce in particular, I'm curious what it, what he would garner now, like on the second time, because you do have to pay uh, what's left of his $22 million contract, but it's basically an expiring deal. Um, mm-hmm. To me, my initial thought was being that expensive, it probably takes the contenders out of it. But then you consider they might have a b- bad contract or two that w- they would not mind offloading, a guy that has not worked out. So maybe it's actually... Hello, Evan Fournier. Yeah, Evan Fournier hasn't played, I think, over 300 minutes this year. Maybe 100 minutes is stretching it. There you go. Maybe 50 now that I'm thinking about it. And he's got an $18 million contract. We've we've done the math. Brown for Fournier and whatever the pick is works. So I think that's the pick. That's the trade I think Knicks fans are eyeing that could potentially happen. We'll get upset if it's Quentin Grimes and... Evan Fournier for Bruce Brown on an expiring, but you know, Plus, we'll there's see. the obvious connection too. He's represented by CAA. Where do you, where's his agent? Exactly. CAA Knicks. So yes. it makes a lot of sense from that standpoint as well. If they can come together and, and make it work and Thibodeau loves defense and toughness. And that's exactly what Bruce did and provided here. He, he really, I think the biggest thing, that I felt that he provided to this team was a vision. He could talk about what it was like going to the championships. He could talk about being the underdog as a player and working his way up, both individually and on a championship team and and being the sum of the parts, which is what it was in Denver, along with Jokic, obviously, not trying to under that. But they all knew their role, loved their role, appreciated it, didn't question it. And those are so many things. Like uh, Bruce and Tyrese helped host a a player's uh, mini camp in the off season, right before the season. They did it now down in Nashville because he loves country music because he's, he loves all that. And he wanted Tyrese especially to experience that. But through all that, I mean, think about it. He's a newcomer. He's still relatively young and he took on some leadership. He could go off of that previous experience and really add that to a younger team. That's on the cusp much like I feel like the Knicks are right now. So uh, it would make a lot of sense, especially since they have that contract that you mentioned right there that the Knicks would not mind getting off of. It's just, it all goes back to uh, what is Masai Ujiri thinking here and what's he willing to do? Because uh, good luck guessing what he thinks. The last couple of years, we've all had that concerns, right? Pacers tried to get in on OG and Ananobi. My understanding is he was... They were second in trying to get to them before Masai just pulled the trigger and said, you know what? I'm going to do this Knicks deal. I like it. We're getting real pieces rather than draft picks. Let's keep it moving. And then dealt with Pascal. But Pacers had been trying to get those two players for at least going back to last season. Yeah. Well, we'll see how these two former Raptors match up against each other. If again, and I know we missed the last two games with an elbow injury. We'll see if he plays on Thursday night. Last question before I, I let you get out of here. And I know like you you cover the team, so it's a little different from than what I usually ask fans that that uh do to these podcasts, but I usually try to get the Mount Rushmore of rivals. But from your experience, I guess, as a journalist, sure. Like I'll I'll ask like the cities that you've traveled to that you look forward to the most. And I guess you can correct me if I'm wrong about how often you travel uh covering the team. But like the the NBA cities that you enjoy the most as far as covering the team is concerned. Okay. Who, are the four, who are the four cities that you look forward to on the NBA calendar? First of all, take kind of where you're headed with the first question. And right now, excluding like the huge big time histories, you're, I'm talking Lakers, Celtics. Like, it doesn't seem like there's any rivalries. Like the NBA did this rivalry week. Well, yeah. I'm yeah. sitting back. I'm like, I, Pacers don't have a rivalry. Yeah, the Knicks and Pacers, Hicks versus Knicks. That was incredible. But that was decades ago. You could yeah. say Pacers Heat 
from a decade ago when LeBron was down there and they pushed him to the conference finals back to back years or one game away from the finals uh, for just a second time. I'm not that was barely a rivalry because the Pacers hadn't beaten. I'm very stickler on things like that. Um, I hear so, you. Listen, Nick's heat still gets me up. And to be honest, Nick's yeah. Pacers still gets me up. I, the, the bloodbaths of the 90s. Get, and it, it almost feels like it was because the 90s and because Reggie Miller's still around. He was commentating mm-hmm. on the Pacers last game in Boston. Uh, Donnie Walsh, that connection and how he's beloved and, and was really a foundational piece to really help what this Pacers franchise has been since the eighties and having the longest tenured owner and Herb Simon. But in terms of NBA stops, you could take that a number of different ways. Um, I will first say the appeal of something like New York is the people. So connecting um, with a lot of national media is fun while I'm out there. Agents are based there. Uh, Fashion people. Now that that's become a thing, right. For the Pacers, like I know Tyrese Halliburton talked on local radio today, said uh, he met with the commissioner, Adam Silver. He had a, a meeting, had to go to a watch shop to get things fixed. He was going to go shop. Those are the different things that you oh, can do man. there. It also doesn't, there's, it's it's hard to top uh, kind of that December trip to, to New York and Rockefeller yeah, and all that. that. Other than that, I would say most oftentimes I would lean warm um, <laughs> just because like... No, this is no exaggeration. We have not seen the sun in 10 plus days. Like I would love to go to Miami right now, Orlando, something like that. Um, here's my answer though, to wind it up. Yeah, There's good. a few cities that still have good media seats. Therefore you can really provide the best coverage. And so to me, out of all of it, that's most important because that directly impacts my coverage and what fans can read. So what you're talking about there, you're thinking Orlando, uh, Oklahoma city, Memphis, um, Phoenix, I think is still in that group. Um, but uh, LA, you can put LA as well on the baseline about four rows back. Um, but I really appreciate that because you can really take hold of uh, conversation with officials, with coaches, um, maybe players bannering back and forth, whether it's good natured or whether it's frustrations, etc. So that's my answer. It's where the good seats remain in the NBA because there aren't very many of them. And I know that the Knicks beat sits at like this bird's eye view of the mm-hmm. of the whole in the, the whole arena. Yeah, yeah, like it's this this really high up view that's not as intimate as it used to be when the media seats were closer to the to the court. So yeah, look in my very limited time in as with a media hat on in college when I covered college football, I can appreciate both the bird's eye view and then the from the the college basketball perspective the the court side view. So I I can empathize with that with that sentiment of needing as as close a, a seat through the court as possible for sure. You know? I can't tell you how many stories used to sometimes come up out of uh, you know this was the interaction. This is why Rick was frustrated. Rick Carlisle mm-hmm. was frustrated with that call or this is why that player deserved the technical or did not, or this is what ticked him off. You have no feel for that. Quite frankly, anymore. I have at Pacer home games. You're up at the top of club level. I have my iPad to have the game broadcast. I have AirPods so I can hear that. I have binoculars so I can look around the arena, not a criticism. It's just a very different experience. And so you try to make the most of it because you understand, Hey, look, we're just media. While we do provide a value at the same time, if they can sell a courtside seat for, I don't know, 500 bucks each or whatever it goes for, the business sense generally says, take the money. Yeah, it's actually like the most, like, I don't say important, but like it's the most popular story I ever got to put out there in college was like a kid that was like a, a senior got 
you didn't play the entire like last eight minutes. So after the, the second to last media timeout, he didn't play the last eight minutes for a sophomore that played okay. over him. And he was sat there pouting the entire time. And I noticed it. And I went and asked him about it after the game. And he was like, oh, you saw that, didn't you? And it's like, yes, I'm, I'm sitting five feet away from you. Of course, I'm going to notice that. And of course, it, it gained some traction. But uh, I look, I'm curious about this matchup on Thursday night. If OG and Obi plays, I like the Knicks chances. If he doesn't, I'm curious to see if the fighting Knicks are actually still <laughs> that deep and can take on this track meet that they're going to have to do with the Pacers. And uh, I'm curious to see, you know, what the what the final outcome is. The important part is that we got to have a good conversation about it. And I appreciate you, Scott, for making the time for me. Before you get out of here, please let the fine folks at home know where they can find you and all of your stuff. For sure. Thanks for having me on. I also want to preface too. haven't seen the latest injury report, but Miles Turner, Jalen Smith, both been dealing with back issues, sore backs, back spasms the last several weeks. Uh, we know Halliburton's going to be on a minutes restriction. Benedict Mathern suffered a great big toe injury two games ago, did not play. So I'm curious to see what he'll, he'll look like coming back. And TJ McConnell has had an illness that kept him out of game. I think got sick from his kid which I'm sure many parents can relate to. <laughs> so uh, the Pacers could be undermanned for the second straight game, which even if OG's out, then that adds a whole new development, I think, to what we may potentially see coming up uh, in this one. But Two um, teams looking forward to the All-Star break, it sounds like. <laughs> Everybody is getting out. Absolutely. Yeah, and by the way, yeah. I will love it, though, because it's right here in Indianapolis. So That's we are right. Looking- Everybody's going to you for the All-Star yes. break. So we are looking you- forward to that. You mentioned going to warm weather. My all-star break is going to be in Miami. So I'm actually doing the thing you <laughs> said. You, like, I prefer warmer weather than going to New York. You know? Yeah, good for you. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and otherwise, uh, I, I do a sub stack like many people, uh, many reporters in the league. So you can subscribe to that at fieldhousefiles.com. I also have a Fieldhouse Files podcast where I put out uh, an episode basically once a week. And, so, uh, and then it's just my name, at Scott Agnes on Twitter and on Instagram. We're very knowledgeable of the, the Substack world with the Knicks Film School newsletter on Substack. So, yep. Knicks fans, Absolutely. you know what to do. Let's flood the newsletter, the Fieldhouse Files newsletter. Uh, get all your Pacers information there. Uh, and Scott, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure, man. Thanks. Once again, a big thank you to Scott for coming on today's show and helping me preview this matchup against the Indiana Pacers. We like to support people on Substack. Uh, he's got the Fieldhouse Files newsletter. The link is in the description of this episode. Give him a subscribe. Sign up for it. You can sign up for the free one if you'd like. If you want to give him some money, go right ahead. You know, we like to support Substackers, obviously, the way we support John and the Knicks Film School newsletter, which is in your mailbox if you're a paid subscriber at every morning at 5 a.m. It's most of the time, it's the last thing I see before I go to sleep. Not that your newsletter puts me to sleep, John. I'm saying that because I, I'm up until way late doing Knicks Film School stuff. I, you know what I meant. I could hear you yelling at your phone right now when you're not yelling at a cloud. Uh, I will be back. I mean it this time. I'll be back Saturday morning with a preview of the Laker game. That guest. Well, I guess I can't even say that because I had guests booked and then people's schedule changed. My plan is to be back Saturday morning to preview the Lakers game. Uh, we'll obviously have a post game pod um, with John uh, recapping this game against the Lakers. Oh, excuse me, against the Pacers. We'll also have a watch along with uh, Jeremy and XJ and Sean watching Obi's first game back at MSG. Um, plenty of good stuff, and you know, obviously, this is trade season. We're one week until the deadline, and if the Knicks do anything, we will be 
activated and, and jump right into action for an emergency podcast. So be on the lookout for as much wall-to-wall coverage of trade season as possible. Jeremy just did an episode of Cap Rules Everything Around Me, Cream. Um, so if you want to check that out, if you haven't listened to that yet, please do. And until next time, thank you for listening to this. Enjoy the game tonight. Welcome back, Obi. And I'll speak with you soon. Peace. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indeed.